everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail. Again, that's Pam Pastor Copywriting at gmail.com. All right, folks, well, let's delve into what we've got for today's episode. And in preparing for next Friday, which is Good Friday, we've been looking at the events of the Passion Week. So far, we've covered Sunday, which was or is going to be the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Monday, Jesus clears the temple. Tuesday, we talked about Jesus's authority was challenged by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And Jesus teaches in stories or parables and confronts the Jewish leaders. And on this Tuesday also, that is the day that Judas, one of his 12 disciples, agrees to betray him. Wednesday, the Bible does not say what Jesus did on that day, It's, but most likely he stayed in Bethany with his disciples. And we discussed Maundy Thursday's preparations for the Last Supper or the Passover meal and Jesus's final instructions to his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. And Jesus struggles in the Garden of Gethsemane and offers up prayers in that garden for himself, his disciples, and finally for you and for me. So the events that happen next on this Thursday night stem from Judas Iscariot's betraying of Jesus that, again, as I mentioned, came about on that previous Tuesday. So Judas would signal Jesus out for a rest on that Thursday evening, and the mob would take Jesus first to Caiaphas, the high priest, and this trial really was a mockery of justice. It ended at daybreak with the decision to kill him, but the Jews needed Rome's permission for the death sentence. Jesus was taken to Pilate, who was probably in the praetorium, then to Herod and back to Pilate, who sentenced him to die. Jesus's trial took a whopping, or really it's a total of less than 18 hours to complete from start to finish. And he was taken to six different hearings along the way. So what were these six stages of Jesus's trial? He had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane at night's end, and the Jewish High Council would convene at daybreak at Caiaphas's house. And the first hearing was Jesus's preliminary hearing, and that occurred before Ananias. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. And in John chapter 18, verse 14, it said that Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, better that one should die for all. Because the office of high priest was for life, Ananias was still the official high priest in the eyes of the Jews, even though the Romans had appointed another after him. And therefore, Ananias still carried much weight in the high council. He was a powerful ex-high priest. 
And then we read in John chapter 11, verses 49 through 51, that John regarded Caiaphas' statement as prophecy as high priest. He would say, and one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said, How can you be so stupid? Why should the whole nation be destroyed? Let this one man die for the people. And this prophecy that Jesus should die for the entire nation came directly from Caiaphas in his position as high priest. He didn't think of it himself. He was inspired to say it. We see God's mighty hand at work here as he uses Caiaphas to explain Jesus' death, even though he didn't know what he was doing. So this is telling us that before the trial even began, it had been determined that Jesus must die. Now we're off to the second hearing, and that was going to be before Caiaphas. And like the first hearing before Ananias, this hearing was conducted at night. It was in secret. It was full of uh, illegalities that made a mockery of justice. False witnesses were sought to testify against Jesus. And usually these same religious leaders went through an elaborate system of screening witnesses to ensure justice. Two witnesses were finally found who were willing to distort some of Jesus' teachings. The two witnesses claimed that Jesus had said he could destroy the temple, and that was blasphemous boast. Actually, Jesus had said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So Jesus, of course, was talking about his body, not the building And a probable reason for this hearing was to gather more evidence to be used against him. So the third hearing was before the high council, which was the Sanhedrin. And just after daybreak, 70 of the high council met to rubber stamp their approval of the previous hearings to make them appear legal. The real purpose of this trial was not to determine justice, but to justify their own preconceptions of Jesus's guilt. This would be their version of a formal religious trial and condemnation to death. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 1, he puts it this way. Very early in the morning, the leading priest and other leaders met again to discuss how to persuade the Roman government to sentence Jesus to death. You may recall we discussed on a previous podcast episode that the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus on theological grounds, blasphemy. But because this charge could be not could not be thrown out of a Roman court. They had to come up with a political reason for Jesus's death. Excuse me, it could have been thrown out of a Roman court. So now the hearings would change from Jewish religious hearings to that of Roman authorities. Where was Jesus at this point in the process? He had just been condemned by the Jewish leaders to death on religious grounds, but only the Roman government could grant the death penalty. Therefore, Jesus' next stop would be before Pilate, the Roman governor. And Jesus was accused of treason, meaning that he had been accused of disloyalty toward the ruler of Israel. He was also accused of rebellion. Both treason and rebellion were crimes for which the Roman government gave the death penalty. Pilate instantly recognized Jesus was not guilty, but he was afraid of the uproar being caused by the religious leaders. Sadly, Pilate was the ceiling of the Roman government. 
While the Romans controlled Israel, the Jews had been given some authority over religious disputes. It was assumed that these Jewish men making up the high council, all 70 of them, would be just. Instead, they showed great injustice against Jesus to the point of bringing in the false witnesses who would make up lies to use use against him. What was Pontius Pilate to do? He would send Jesus away to Galilee because that's the region that his hometown was in. And this was a courteous and guilt-sharing act by Pilate because Jesus was from Galilee. So the fifth hearing Jesus had was in front of Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, who was in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. Herod was eager to see Jesus do a miracle, but when Jesus remained silent, Herod wanted nothing to do with him. To the first question, Jesus made no reply because it was based on confusing and erroneous evidence. Not answering was wiser than trying to clarify the fabricated accusations. But had Jesus not answered the second question, it could have been taken as a denial of his mission. Instead, his answer predicted a powerful role reversal. Sitting at God's right hand in a place of power, he would come to judge his accusers and they would have to answer his questions. So Jesus was saying he would come again to destroy the wicked and he would reign on earth. Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate now. So now it was time for Jesus' last hearing, and Pilate did not like the religious leaders. Yet, as said before, he feared the uproar of the crowd. And Pilate wasn't interested in condemning Jesus because he knew that he was innocent. And first and foremost, though Pontius Pilate was a politician, he recognized that another uprising within his district might very well cost him his job. And initially, he did attempt comp- to compromise with the religious leaders to have Jesus beaten. And this was illegal action for a man in the processes of hearings. But no one other than Jesus and his disciples seemed to be mindful of this. But finally, Pilate gave in to peer pressure and handed Jesus over to be crucified. He had lost all backbone and was indeed spineless. His self-interest became stronger than justice for Jesus. After Jesus was arrested and led away for his first hearing, the succession of Peter's three denials happened. And this experience cataloged precisely as Jesus said would change Peter's life. He was no longer a half-hearted Christian. He was now a repentant disciple. Now Jesus could and would use him to build his church. But Peter wept bitter, sorrowful tears, recalling Jesus predicting his denial. He had realized that he denied not only the Messiah, but also a true friend, one who had shown him nothing but love and sought to teach him for three long years. Like Peter, we must be careful to not become too self-efficient in our promises. Jesus can use our failures, though, if we will recognize them as such. And Peter was humbled through this experience. In turn, it would help him later when he assumed leadership of the young church. Ultimately, Pilate caves under the crowd's pressure and the criminal 
Barabbas is freed in place of Jesus. He had just told everyone publicly by washing his hands that he was not guilty of Jesus' death, yet he was guilty. Like Pilate, we cannot merely wash our hands of tough situations and expect them to be resolved. But what came next is mind-boggling. Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. And the Roman soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium, and this was the tent of the general, and they mocked him, dressing him in a scarlet robe and a crown of thorns. Then they led him to the crucifixion site outside the city. He was so weakened by his beatings that he could not carry his cross all by himself. And a man named Simon from Cyrene, which is in northern Africa, was forced to carry it to Golgotha. But Simon was most likely one of the thousands of Jews that was visiting Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. And Golgotha is also called Skull Hill because of its appearance and its many crucifixions probably were a deterrent for many to do criminal acts. And on a previous podcast, we reviewed Jesus's last seven statements from the cross, but these statements have been treasured by those who follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they demonstrate both his deity and his humanity, so I wanted to review them one more time. They're also very telling of all Jesus went through and all he sacrificed for you and for me to be reconciled to our Father. He said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. That was his first statement. Statement two, he said, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And that's when he's talking to the criminal on the side of him who believed and recognized him as the Messiah. The third statement, speaking to his disciple John and his mother Mary, he said, woman, he is your son. And he looks at John and says, she is your mother. The fourth statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, Lima, Sabakathani. His fifth statement, I am thirsty. His sixth statement, it is finished. And finally, his seventh statement, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Wow, those are all powerful statements. And if you remember, we discussed while Jesus hung on the cross being crucified, the world went dark. The tearing of the temple curtain happened from top to bottom. An earthquake was felt. And finally, dead people were raised from their graves. And then Jesus' death happened. Jesus was taken down from the cross with no broken bones. He was placed into the tomb of a wealthy disciple who had remained silent up until this point. His name was Joseph of Arimathea, and Pilate had agreed to give him the body. Jesus was wrapped in cloth or grave clothes. Guards were posted at the site of the tomb, and a rock that was so heavy and would have taken at least 20 men to roll away was placed at the entrance with a cord across it, sealing it with clay on each end. And now Saturday arrives. The disciples are probably still in shock from the entirety of the the Passion Week. Their beloved teacher was accused, betrayed, beaten, flogged, crucified, and had died. Where was this promised kingdom? The confusion must have been staggering. 
And then Resurrection Sunday finally arrives. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, the woman who Jesus drove seven demons out of, came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She had merely wanted to bring spices. She ran out, found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus had loved, and this would be John, the author of this story. She said, They've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple John ran to the tomb to see. John got there first. Now the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, not so Jesus could get out, but for others to be able to get in. John stoops down, he looks in, and seeing the linen grave clothes folded neatly, and the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded as well and placed to the side. Peter went in, and he saw, and he believed. They had not realized until this very moment that Scripture taught he would rise from the dead. Then they went home. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first, and I've heard it said she was an apostle to the disciples. This would make sense as she conveyed the risen Christ to Jesus and his other to Jesus's other disciples. Then Jesus appears to his disciples that evening, and then the third time Jesus appears to Thomas, who had been missing at that second appearance. So friends, stay tuned for tomorrow's episode as we delve deeper into the glorious resurrection and Easter and why we celebrate it. Folks, and remember Palm Sunday is April 2nd, Monday Thursday is April the 6th, followed by Good Friday on April 7th. And the biblical definition of good means fitting or appropriate, and that's exactly what Jesus' death on the cross symbolizes. And finally, we can proudly proclaim on Sunday, April the 9th, He has risen. He is risen indeed. Happy early Easter, and I look forward to our continued conversation tomorrow. And friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord. Simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide and direct and reveal himself to you. And also get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. And now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions that he left for us is this benediction. So as you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. 
And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your kiddos for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present everyday lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love and action looks like, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And much of today's podcast was referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you know anyone who may be inspired or interested in this material, please share it with them as well. Until next time, friends, be blessed.